we all know it's a familiar scripture, but I was thinking as he said, it just kind of bore witness with me. Hallelujah. I'm going to go preach on vision. Somebody had a vision to start this thing. Hallelujah. And, and, and it goes, I, I don't know about you, but we're not just in some body of Christ or in some church. Just if you allow me to say it like this, we're not some Johnny come lately's. We're somebody that's rooted and grounded in the word and seasoned in the hour and appointed for a time like this. We're not just some hearsay, I'm this or hearsay, I'm that. I'm a blood bought child of God. I've been purchased by the blood. I've been bought by the blood and hell is scared of me. Hell is scared of you. And guess what? Without a vision, guess what? You ain't going to scare nobody. We've got to have a vision. Proverbs, the 29th chapter and 18th verse said it like this. Where there is no vision, people perish. See, we're living in the hour, brother Sammy. And, and, and we're living on the very, there's two things that's gotta happen because the word of God is, is very particular about what it, what it says there. And it says in the last days there will be a great falling away. I've never seen like saints of God that's been in this thing 40 and 50 years. Their faith begin to dwindle. Hallelujah. And they begin to downplay. Ain't no more miracles. Ain't no more healings. Ain't no more this. And ain't God, God's not filling nobody with the Holy Ghost anymore. But honey, can I tell you, God is still doing God's business. God is still doing miracles. I guarantee you, you find somebody that just escaped a car wreck. Hallelujah. That's ecstatic tonight. And that the, the, the world's flipped upside down. And they'll stand and bear witness to you. If it had not been for God. If it had not been for God. I would have died in that car wreck. But the hand of God swept down. Hallelujah. Church, we got to have a vision. If not, we'll sit on the pews. And we'll begin to pass. We'll begin to dwindle. We'll begin to just fall away. Sometimes it ain't just not... Falling away is not just missing church. Sometimes it's sitting on the pew dreading being at church. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I believe it's time and it's the hour for the church to stand, Brother Pruitt, and, and, and declare the Word of God in this hour that we live in. Hallelujah. You say, Brother Mark, listen, he said in the last days, everything shall be shaken that can be shaken. But another scripture says, I put you in a kingdom that cannot be shaken. The world on one end is flooding. The world on the other end is burning up. And on the east side, the west side, a tsunami's flooding it out. Hallelujah. Can I tell you, it's time the church of the living God stand up and let God be God. Declare a miracle. Declare signs and wonders. Get the vision back. Put it back in our eyes. I remember one scripture. See, it's not all about seeing naturally. You see, I'm kind of illiterate when it comes to some things. I'm kind of a hands-on man. I learned my trade, carpentry, not by reading the book and flipping the math problems. I learned it because a man said, come here, let me show you. 
You take this measurement, divide it like this. That'll give you your rise. That'll give you your tread. That'll give you the way you build your steps. But see, I learned that because somebody took time, hallelujah, to impart that in me. And today I make money because why? Because somebody had a vision, hallelujah, to teach me a trait, brother, brother Pruitt, and teach me, look son, you can make good money like this. You can, you can make a good living doing this. Can I tell you, we can make a right living worshiping God. And you know what? I get, I, I get so, I get so, I, I was at a church and I, God forgive me for this, but, <laughs> I was at a church and this man stood up and right in the middle of prayer request and said, thank God, God blessed me for 55 years and it was his birthday. Man, he was just so ecstatic, you couldn't keep him calm. By Sunday night, something put his fire out. He couldn't lift his hands. He couldn't get his feet going. I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, what is wrong? Sometimes, Brother Pruitt, the only thing that brought me through the hard times of my life was knowing the things that my mother and my father went through. The hunger, the embarrassment sometimes of not having money to, to have the best shoes or have the nicest looking things. Hallelujah. Oh, they're blessed wealthy now and God has really just blessed them and poured His blessing out on them. But honey, can I tell you, sometimes we got to get besides ourselves and we got to know that, look, I am the church of today, but these little kids right here is the church of tomorrow and they're coming up, they're part of the church today. Don't get me wrong, but Brother Pruitt, if we don't show them how to have church and we don't show them how to cast out devil, we don't show them how to reach into heaven and pull out a miracle, and we don't show them we become children in the wilderness just wondering. We're just wondering. Wondering what's going on. What's taking place. My God has left me. My God has forsaken me. I don't know about you, but God didn't raise a church to be dead. God didn't raise a church to be not on fire, to have a fire put out. He said he'd give us the Holy Ghost and fire. Honey, you can't get the Holy Ghost unless you get the fire. And you can't have the fire unless you get the Holy Ghost. And I'm talking about the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in another another tongue, not just another language. I'm talking about a heavenly language. Think about this. The woman, the Bible said the woman was bound with the spirit of infirmity. Bowed over. If I'm not, if you would allow me to put it, I'm not, not, not this church, I'm not throwing, but just church in general. Hallelujah, because I know this is an awesome church. And thank God for what y'all are doing and expect greater things. Because they're coming. They're coming. They're only coming to them that catch a vision of. They're only coming to them that put their hands to work and begin to produce fruit. Hallelujah. You'll never get an apple tree until you take a seed and put it in the ground. Hallelujah. Somebody has to put it in the ground and then water it and hallelujah to nourish it and take care of it. And then all of a sudden one day it'll come out blooming. And guess what? You get to eat of that fruit. Hallelujah. But somebody had to have a vision. We're living in the hour, hallelujah, where we need to let the, we need to let people know, guess what? I am a blood-bought child of God. This world will try to put you in everything they tie themselves to as Christian. Can I tell you, I quit calling myself a Christian a little over nine months ago. 
When I heard a young man talk about how he was a Christian and God had blessed his homosexual marriage. You know what I said? I said, I don't know about him, but maybe I'm not a Christian. But I know I am a child of God. It's see, they'll take words and they'll use the contrast and they'll try to cross them and they'll try to confuse the world. That's what they're doing. Seems like sometimes our vision gets blurred. Seems sometimes like we get knocked down. We try to get up, Brother Pruitt, and, and we try to take four steps forward and it's like we get knocked eight steps backwards. There was one time I got so sick and tired of the same problem being in my life. I got fighting mad about it. And me and the devil had a war. I felt like Jacob when I got done. But you know what? I come out of the back room walking different. I come out of the back room talking different. Because something that God had given me while I was back there telling the devil, you're not going to destroy me. I am not going to commit suicide. You are not going to touch my children. You are not going to take my wife. You can't have control because I am a blood-bought, heaven-sent child of God. (laughs) Hallelujah. We got to have a vision. We got to have a vision. Why are you here tonight? You got in your car and you drove. 45 minutes, 30 minutes, 20 minutes, 10 minutes, 5 minutes, whatever many, however many minutes you drove to get here because you knew. See, Sunday night, a lot of times is the stable crowd. That's the crowd that knows I got to have tonight's service. Because it makes a difference on Monday. Huh? It makes a difference on Tuesday. Then I'm going to be there on Wednesday because Lord knows come Thursday, I'm ready to smack somebody. You know what I'm saying? So we got to push back. One writer said it like this, as I press toward the mark of the prize. What is the press? What is the press? Some of our press is our family. I'm sad, it's sad to say I, I've never done it. I knew better. My daddy take his, used to be 52 inch belt off. Boy, why am I hind in now? He still would today. But it's sad to say that some parents get cussed out on their way to church by their 12 and 13 year old kids. Mama, I don't want to go. Mama, I don't want to be there. See, we're living in the hour where we need to give this world and our kids, we need to give them the true unadulterated Jesus. We need to give them Jesus. Because see, if we're not careful, we'll let all the cares of the world pile up on us. Hallelujah. And then guess what? When we wake up on Monday morning, we feel like Samson. Been playing down at Delilah's house. And then you wake up and you begin to question God. God, I serve you. God, I went to church. God, I paid my tithes. I give in the offering. What is going wrong? What is upsetting? What is, what is, why is all of this on me? And you begin to shake yourself and it's like, man, I wish I could feel the power I had on Sunday. 
Sunday morning was an awesome service. Sunday night was an awesome service. I can tell you right now, we need more prayer rooms at home where the mama and daddy fall on their knees and break through to the Holy Ghost. Because I'm going to tell you, back when I was living, when, when, when the adversary come to our back, when I was living with mom and daddy, and the adversary showed up around our place, guess what mom and daddy did? They began to fall on their knees right in the living room, and they began to declare peace and, and victory in the name of Jesus, and no other way, hallelujah. See, if we're not careful, we'll let everything block our vision. I'm preaching about vision tonight. There was a man by the name of John... John Roebling, I believe how you pronounce it. I don't know if, if any of y'all know about him or not, but I, I looked this up and I began, I heard, I heard something about it and I began to look it up and I thought, man, that is powerful. But he had an ideal to build the Brooklyn Bridge. And he, he submitted his ideal to several people. Several contractors and several bigwigs and they were saying, ain't no way that bridge is going to work. It won't work. Just won't work. Well, to make a long story short, I'm not going to read it all to you, but he had a son, I believe his name was, was Washington. Well, John, John Roblin got into his, his son's ear and began to tell him about this dream. But then this, this vision got into Washington's spirit. And Washington began to take it to the engineers and begin to say, what do we need to do? So, strategically over years and years and years, Brother Pruitt, they looked at the blueprints and they went through this and they went through that and they made changes here. And Washington's here watching every move, hallelujah. And his daddy's sitting beside him. They're watching every move and they're saying, well, I, I just don't think this is going to work. Well, all of a sudden they found one engineer that began to look at everything and look over it and he said, it'll work. So about the time they found somebody to say it will work, a tragedy happened. It don't say what it was. A tragedy happened, but uh, John and Washington was together, the father and the son, and all of a sudden, the, the, the son become paralyzed from his neck down. The daddy wound up being passed away, gone. So the story goes on to say it like this. For 13 years, he laid in his bed. Nothing wrong with his mind. Nothing wrong with his eyes. But he couldn't get out and show the blueprints. He couldn't get out. So finally he got his wife. And he began to type a code on her arm. And she began to bear witness to what he said. And he went. she went out and got this guy. And they brought him in. For 13 more years, John, uh, Mr. Washington built the bridge laying flat of his back. He did not let the paralysis stop him from the vision. Think about this. I wonder if the church could catch on fire with the true vision from heaven about God, what God really wanted to do in a revival in this day and hour. See, we think a revival is getting somebody to shout and shake their leg and, and that, no, 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 no. A revival is when somebody, a drug addict comes in and throws his drugs on the altar and says, I'm turning away from it. I'm giving up. An alcoholic comes in and gives his life to God. 
That's what revival's about. And the church ought to rejoice with them. We ought to, we ought to run with them. But for 13 years, he sat here and typed colds on his wife's arm, moving his finger, telling her yes and no and no and yes. So they wind up building the Brooklyn Bridge. I just wonder today what's stopping your vision. What is stopping your vision? What is it a headache? Is it a toe ache? Is it a backache? Did you smash your finger last week? Huh? What is it that is stopping us from actually seeing the big picture of God? See, he said this is for your children and your children's children. So he's adding generations of children to the church. I don't know, but it, you got a vision of seeing your family saved. You better learn how to pray. You better learn how to fast. You better learn how to get in the word of God and stay there. Hallelujah. You better know, hallelujah, that, 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 that the church is, we gotta have a vision. We can't just come and just have church and go home. Every church, every church service ought to be an ecstatic kaboom. Huh? Because we are people with vision. My mind, when I read that story about Washington and them doing the bridge there, my mind went to John on the Isle of Patmos. Here he was on the Isle of Patmos and he was put over there with murderers and all these things and and, and all the bad people. Hallelujah. But they said they plucked his eyes out. In Revelations, it goes on where it's talking about John being on the Isle of Patmos. He said, after he had his eyes plucked out, Brother Sammy, he said, I heard a voice. And I turned to see. Well, what was he turning to see? He had no eyes. He had a vision done imprinted in his mind. Put on the mind of Christ. Let this Christ, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. See, sometimes we got to be stubborn as a bulldog. Huh? Sometimes we got to be, I don't care how bad the devil whoops me, Brother Sammy, I'm going to serve God. I don't care how bad my family looks, what kind of hell my kids are going through. They may be stooped over a bar stool right now, drunk out of their mind or cracked up over in crack town or smoked out with a blunt or whatever. But it don't matter because I got a promise and I got a vision, hallelujah, to see the house of God fall and my kids are going to be saved. He said, I turned to see. He said, I see eyes like fire, feet like brass. Heard a great voice. What was he saying? Come up higher. Come up higher a couple weeks ago. And I'm, I'm, I'm fixing to hush. I'm not a long-winded preacher. A couple weeks ago, I had, I probably had one, the first, the first vision I've ever had in my life. I was praying and I was reading. And it's like, I don't know, sometimes when you pray, I can be wide awake. As soon as I flip my Bible open, my eyes start going. 
you know, sleep begins to fall on me. But I was reading my Bible. There what was talking about having a vision. And I, I was just reading and, and going through it. And all of a sudden, Brother Sammy, I fell off in a vision. And I seen a thermostat. And this thermostat, they say, Brother Mark, that's crazy. Well, just listen to the end of the story. I seen a thermostat. And that thermostat, I seen it was like the hand of God reaching out of heaven. And he was hitting it up. And all of a sudden, God began to speak in my spirit, said, I'm fixing to be changing the atmosphere for the church. See, I don't know about you, but there's a difference in a thermostat and a thermometer. I don't know if you know that or not. A thermostat sets the atmosphere of the coolness, the heat in this building. A thermometer is like most Christians. They're up and down with whatever the thermostat is. The world's day Christian. So I, I, I begin to, I begin to just dwell on that. And I was preaching in Murfreesboro there at the, at the Bible Church of Jesus and where I go to church and, and, and that come out in my message. When I get home, sometimes, we, I don't know, Brother Sammy, you're a minister. Sometimes I question God is in my own time. Am I seasoned for this time? I get home and it's probably about 1030 and it's pretty late and for my mom to text me. I get a text message from my mom and it's a picture. And on the, on, on this tablet, God woke her up at 330, three days before I had the vision. And she wrote on the, she put the date and the time, 330 AM. She went to her prayer room. And God began to speak to her about changing the atmosphere. And she wrote down, changing the atmosphere of praise. Changing the atmosphere with worship. Changing the atmosphere of, so when sinners walk in, conviction begins to fall. See, I remember church when brother here could get a guitar. He'd get up here and strum it and holler, power in the blood. And everybody that has sin in their life would fall on their knees or crawl to the altar. And boy, we had church. Yeah. Now it's like we got to pull their teeth to get them out of the pews. <laughs> they act like we're dentists or something. I did go to a church one time and this woman whooped the far out of this guy. He was repenting. Son, she was smacking him. She kept saying, come help me. I thought, I ain't getting in on that. He'd wake up out of the spirit and get in the flesh. We'd both be in trouble. But it, uh, it's a vision. We got to have a vision. Listen to this. In Habakkuk, the second chapter, the second chapter, the second and third verse reads like this. And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision, make it plain upon tables, that it may run, that, that he may run. That readeth it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. But at the end it shall speak and not lie. Huh. Through it shall tarry. Wait for it because it will suddenly come and it will not tarry. Habakkuk was a prophet. And what Habakkuk done, he began to 
they knew his house was a special place and, and, and where he, he would make tablets, brother. The, the historians say he would make tablets and hang visions out. And people of the city would come in and catch what the prophet was saying. And they would run to their city and spread the word about what the prophet Habakkuk was saying. Hallelujah. You know what? I don't know about you, but we're living in the hour where the world needs to see the vision of the church. And it needs to be nothing but full of love and charity. I don't care what you look like. Lazarus, get up. Come out of your grave. Guess what? Lazarus come in his grave clothes. He wasn't dressed to see Jesus. He didn't have the right apparel to see Jesus. I don't know about you, but I see the atmosphere of praise changing. I see the atmosphere of worship changing. I see the atmosphere of the children of God changing. Guess what? Brother, get ready because we got some Lazaruses. It's coming out of their death. They're coming out of their sin. They're coming out. They're going to walk in with mini skirts up to their tail with hair bobbed off. I don't know what you believe. Really don't matter. Just get them to Jesus. Let them see Jesus. I'm tired of, I'm tired of church as normal. I'm tired of church as abnormal. I don't know about you, but when I received the Holy Ghost, uh, I, I backslid. A little over 11 years ago, I got back in the church, 11 and a half years ago. A backslidden preacher, Brother Pruitt. My daddy, I sat on the pew. I didn't even testify. I didn't even play the drum. Four years I sat on the pews and I'm dedicating myself to the house of God. I worked on the commodes. I worked on the grass. I painted the ceilings. I've done everything I could because I wanted to get the honor back that I had let people down. You know what? Can I tell you? Without a vision, I'd still be strung out on cocaine. I'd still be strung out on alcohol. I'd still be strung out with worthless women. I'd still be out in the world. But somebody had a vision that night I come to the altar guess what oh my god I feel the Holy Ghost in this house that night I come to the altar the preacher stood up and he said there's somebody here that's going to bust hell wide open all of a sudden my heart began to pack because I knew if I'd have left them doors, I knew, Brother Sammy, I would have left and died and went to hell. Because just a few nights before, I'd had my brains beat out by three guys. Because I'd done them wrong on a drug deal. I had people looking for me, wanting to hang me up. Honey, can I tell you, without a vision, we'll sit on the pews and perish. The preacher said it. You'll sit here, if you leave here, you'll die and go to hell. All of a sudden, conviction of Jesus hit my heart. So, Brother Mark, I wouldn't tell everybody my story. Oh, well. I just want you to know where God brought me from. I got something to be excited about. I got something to be ecstatic about. Because you know why? I'm not on my way to hell tonight. I'm not on my way to hell. Hallelujah, I'm on my way to heaven. And the journey gets easier every day. Hallelujah. Like that old song said, I wouldn't take nothing for my journey now. Has it been an easy 11 and a half years? No, sir. They still preachers that look at me as an old backslidden preacher. Can I tell you, I don't care, Brother Sammy, because I know by the blood of Jesus what I am, who I am, and where I stand. Hallelujah. We got to understand. Hallelujah. See, I can easily crawl in the corner and look back on my past failures and where I let people down where I let down the battle and I quit fighting I can sit over and get all in
in the pity. Oh, pity spirit on me. Guess what? It don't do me a bit of good. All it's going to get me some medication from the doctor. You know I'm preaching half churches on Xanaxes. Huh? When do we start believing God? When do we start believing God? When do we start accepting Jesus for what he is? What is he to you? I preached last night. I preached mercy. Mercy carried me, but grace is bringing me through. And I preached on hell. And I preached about where I was, but now where God, where, where grace is carrying me every day. Mercy woke me up. God had mercy on me when I was a lost sinner out in the world, not giving a care to what I did, what, who I'd done wrong, or where I was at when I woke up, or wondering sometimes how I got where I was when I woke up. Hallelujah. But you know what? God still seemed fit to wake me up. Where would I be? Where would I be? Church, I'm telling you, we got to get a vision. We got people that's in the tombs and they're waiting for somebody to look at them and speak with power. You know what I'm glad about? I'm glad there was nobody else in the tombs named Lazarus. You know why? Because if they'd have been five or six named Lazarus, you'd have read a story where five or six got up and come to Jesus. You say, Brother Mark, you really believe that much power in God? He's the one that said, let it be. In the beginning. See, sometimes we take God's word for granted. My God, without a vision, without a vision, we sit on the pews and die. Without a vision, we push no more. We propel no more. We sit in our corners and we mope and we cry. But can I tell you, I don't care what your paralysis is. I don't care what your situation is right now. You say, Brother Mark, I, I, don't, I, I, don't, I, don't, I just don't care. Because see, I, can, I, I, I know God is what He is. I know God for who He is. Because of what He's done in my life. Sometimes we put our own stipulations. Can I just be plain for a minute? Hey, some people won't come to church because they won't, some people won't hush their mouth about what they believe. They don't need to know what you believe. All they need to know is about Jesus. I was, I, I was at work a couple weeks ago, and I'll tell you, God, God whooped me. Boy, he chastised me. I was sitting there working with a co-worker, Brother Sammy. He began to ask me questions on doctrine. I just shoot it out there. This is it, bless God. Man, we went on about eight hours working, talking about it. I got in my truck riding home. Conviction power, God come in the truck, begin to sit beside me. He said, that boy don't need to hear about what you believe. He needs to hear about how Jesus can deliver him. Because he's an alcoholic. He's an alcoholic. He, all he thinks is about the next drink he can get. I sit there and think, Lord, I just had an eight-hour conversation in between work with this man over worthless nothing. I went back the next day. I looked him in the eye and I said, but I want to tell you I'm sorry. He said, what are you sorry for, Mark? I said, that conversation should have never happened. I feel like I might have damaged you in ways. I said, come here. Matter of fact, let's go sit in my truck for lunch. Sit in my truck. I opened my Bible and I began to tell him about Jesus dying on the cross and how Jesus died for the world and, and, and how Jesus loves everybody. And ain't no doubt in my mind, Jesus loves everybody. Now, he don't like sin. 
He believes you got to change when you come. I'm not preaching the, the, the once saved, always saved. We go back out and do the same old things. But I begin to witness to him. Nothing ever become of it. About a couple of days later, me and him begin to talk again. And he said, you know what? I went and bought me a King James Version. I said, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You know what? Lazarus just needs to hear you tell him, get up and get out of the grave. That's all he needs to hear. He just needs to hear you say, come up. Come on. Come with me. Let me show you what real life's all about. Because I can tell you, before I met Jesus, that was not life with my head in the bottom of a commode. That's where I was. That didn't have nothing to do with Jesus. But when I, since I met Jesus, 11 and a half years ago, something began to change in my spirit. Something began to turn in my spirit. And there's something that began to ignite. Hallelujah. See, we're not just a church from down the road. This right here church is not just a so happenstance that's just here. Brother Sammy, I believe, I know you was, I know, I've seen the blueprints. I looked at them. Of your, of your water thing and all that when they had them. I seen it. I know your desire was to be over there. But can I really be honest with you? I think God planted you right here where you're at. For a reason. For a purpose. We can't look back to where that was. We can always have them memories. Thank God for the times and the, what the church brought and, and everything happened over there. But you know what? This is another day. This is another day, another dawning, another hour. We got to see God move in this area. I'll just tell you, we got to have a vision. Without a vision, we perish. We fall away. We become, we become unnourishment. See, the Bible talks about, I'm fixing clothes, get some musicians. The Bible talks about praying in your prayer closet, building up on your most holy faith. So when you come to the house of God, you can edify your brothers and your sisters. I don't know about you, but I believe we're li- we need to live in the hour where we need to edify one another. We need to lift one another up. We need to know, hallelujah, that it's okay, that God, that God is going to do this. You say, Brother Mark, but my kids get worse. Call my mom and ask her how worse I got. Six years, I couldn't even dart the doors of church. Six years. Because, because, Brother Sammy, I didn't want to be the one every time I come into the house of God, they was praying me through. And then I knew I might not live right, might not make it. But you know what? The one time I didn't make up my mind to go, God threw a hook and a lure. Right to the pew I was sitting on. He began to tug at my heart. He began to reel me in. We've got to have a vision in this day and hour we live in. Because if we don't have the vision, our families are going to die lost. I know you can't twist our arms if we could. I, I, we, we was out door knocking not too long ago and I, I, I don't... I just get involved with everything in our church. I don't care what it is. I get involved with everything. So we was out door knocking. And uh, 
One brother said, I said, we got in the van. And I said, well, let's go compel some folks today. And he's an ex, real mean boy. This dude loved the fight. And he said, compel them. I said, yeah, let's go compel them. I said, you ever looked up that word compel? He said, no, not really. What's it mean? I said, more or less like force feed or something like that. He goes, so we get to beat up some people for Jesus? <laughs> so I had to tell him, no, 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 we're not going. Don't punch the first person come to the door in the name of Jesus. But we've got to be, we've got to be sincere. And we've got to give them the true Jesus. See, this world of trying to put your Jesus in the same box with Allah and Muhammad and Buddha and Hare Krishna and all them other gods over in Philippines. They got like 300 and something million, thousand, whatever. They'll try to put Jesus in that mix. But they ain't never been a man like Jesus. There ain't never been a man like Jesus. What was so special about him? He was heaven sent. He was earth ordained. And he scared hell to death. You know how I know? Because the Bible said when he walked into some places, he didn't have to speak. Demons cried. The man in between the tombs come running to him, fell at his feet. You come to persecute us for our time. He was in the synagogue on, on a Sabbath and the, the demons begin to cry out of someone else. See, why, why can't we get a vision? Hallelujah. We're living in one of the most demonic hours. And it's sad to say that it's moved into the house of God. It's sad to say it's moved into our worship. It's moved, it's plotted against us. See, from the, the Bible said that God created good and evil from the beginning. That's what the Word of God says. So from the beginning, guess what? Evil's been plotting for you however long this world's been going. Ever since you've been born, the devil's had a plan to destroy you. The devil's had a plan to, to, to pick you out of the crowd and make you the one to act up, make you the one to do this and do that. But on the other hand, God's had a plan for you all along. He said, your steps are ordered by God. That's what the word of God says. But we got to have a vision. We've got to have a vision. To some, he's a peacekeeper. To Daniel, he's a line tamer. To Paul and Silas, he's a jailbreaker. To Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he's a fire walker. To Peter, he walked on water with him. Hallelujah. Guess what? We all can have that experience with him. It ain't got to just be written in the word of God. We can live that in this day and hour as they begin to sing. Hallelujah. Stand to your feet if you don't mind. Hallelujah. If you're here tonight and you need prayer. I don't care what your situation is. Probably one of the most. Thing, I ain't seen it in years happening this morning. Right in the morning. Right before I started preaching. Just singing a little worship song. About break every chain. Break every chain. This woman come running up to the altar. Threw her hands up in the air. 
And I walked over and I began to lay my hands on her. She looked at me and she said, Brother Mark, I really don't know if I have any change for me. But my kids are lost. And they're raising little kids. And I'm declaring right now that the power of God is going to break every chain for them and their family. I thought to myself, man, we need more of that. We need more of that. The altar ain't just for sinners and backsliders. The altar is for worshipers. It's for, it's for children of God, for women of God that love God and come to worship as he begins to sing. If you need prayer, you need God to move in your life. I promise you, he will not sell you short. Because I stand on the word. I'm going to ask you to come. Go ahead. I feel Jesus. Oh, I feel Jesus. Oh, I feel Jesus. He's in his place in my soul Oh, 